lost on me last Sunday we received a prophetic word from uh, Pastor Chandler in the sense that during a season of peace we should prepare for war and uh, I'm going to get into a little bit of that uh, today uh, viewer beware <laughs> so um, I want to thank Bishop first of all for the opportunity to come forth anybody who's taught anything you know that when you start really preparing is when you learn so much so just preparing for this message I've learned so much about fatherhood and I've already already tried to implement it some of it with my um, with my my two boys Adolph and Eli here who are going to help me out in a minute so um, let me just start with the uh, first slide please again uh, getting getting back to the title slide fatherhood formula is there a formula for fatherhood and can we can we deliver it so uh, moving on to the first slide, some of you will remember some of these scenes. Uh, 2008 fall, uh, August. Next slide, please. <clears throat> if you don't remember those scenes from popular media, maybe you're familiar with some of these titles here on the next slide, Five Days of War. So this is going to be sort of one of those there I was moments, so just to prepare you. Uh, next slide. <clears throat> So the one thing that wasn't really captured in the media was the fact that there was a small military contingent uh, behind enemy lines, if you will, uh, right before the Russians started to begin their advance uh, southward into the Republic of Georgia. My team was stationed sort of where that circle is, right outside the capital of Georgia in a place called Tbilisi. Next slide. The situation, I tried to circle it there. I'm not sure if everyone can read it, but anytime you have one world power who gives another world power an ultimatum, Russia was basically saying, hey, you either choose the Republic of Georgia or you choose us. It was an ultimatum, choose us or them. It was an either-or situation. Anytime one world power gives that to another world power, it usually doesn't work out so well. <laughs> so it didn't take long for diplomatic negotiations to fall apart, and it didn't take long for Russia to mobilize an all-out offensive. Next slide, please. Including air attacks, naval, uh, cyber warfare, and ground warfare, uh, tanks. You can see that in the, in the picture there. And you, you can't see Tbilisi anymore. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of covered up there. But trust me, those aren't fireworks there. Uh, next slide. <clears throat> so my unit was faced uh, in, in the inside of uh, the Republic of Georgia. We were expecting to receive our supply routes across the Black Sea from railhead and into a barge. But the Russians did a really effective job in setting up nearly an impenetrable blockade. There was no way that we could get resupplies through. We only had what we brought with us. We didn't have food. We didn't have water. We didn't have toiletries. Uh, anything you can think of, we didn't have it. Uh, so we were there, there with only what we could carry on our backs. Next slide. So that's Tbilisi. That's some of the near uh, attacks that came around our perimeter. Um, and again, just being a very small unit, I'm going to show you uh, another picture of sort of what the size of that unit looked like uh, in the next scene. So this is not the exact same unit that I was with, but this is a similar size uh, unit uh, that I was working with, just to give you an idea. Uh, while we were stationed there inside of, uh, right outside the capital of Tbilisi, we were inside of a torn down uh, Russian uh, military barracks. 
we didn't have any running water. We didn't have any electricity. We didn't have anything that usually uh, is good to keep up effective uh, hygiene, team morale, or maintenance. So as our supplies are running out, we set up a 24-hour guard <clears throat> to try to protect what little bit of food and, and water we did have left. Um, and in, in this type of situation, it, it's, it doesn't take long for, for biological elements to begin to take, take place. So there was a virus that began to spread from one person to the other. It lasted for about 72 hours. It involved, there's kids here, but it involved a lot of nasty stuff that was happening. Um, and um, one day when the virus hit me, I was, I was sitting there. I, was, I, was, I wasn't sitting there. I was lying, you know, to be, to be more precise. I was lying and my body was convulsing as I was attempting to throw up when there was nothing in me to, to throw up. And I was thinking to myself how much I put into being a good soldier. I was thinking back to my time as a kid, not much older than my, my oldest son, Adolf, when I would work on becoming a soldier. I grew up in a military family. I was always sort of designed to be a soldier. I consider it sort of a family business. That was what I, what I was doing. And I considered how I put one step in front of the other, one step in front of the other to be the best that I could be, to do all that I can. And I thought about, you know, where that had gotten me. You know, as I'm there in the middle of this, in the middle of this war, and I'm thinking not about uh, the next medal. I'm not thinking about the next ribbon. I'm not thinking about the next deployment. But my mind goes back to these guys. The next slide. And for the first time, you know, I thought about, I, I caught myself in a, in, a, in, a, in a bind. I caught myself in a bind. Because here I am facing one way. All day soldier, 24-7, night and day. I'm, I'm going to be the best soldier I can be. But by doing that way, by stepping that direction, it was pulling me further and further away from my family. Adolf and Eli, can you guys come up on stage for a moment? I just want to try to make this really clear. Thanks. Come up here, guys. Come up here. Stand over here. Stand over here. I'm just going to use this illustration really quick. I'm going to ask these guys to stand here for me. So the way that the devil had tricked me is that I thought that the more I became a better soldier, the more I went to more schools, the more I got better training, the more I sharpened my ability to shoot faster, to run harder, to become stronger, to be able to, to do what soldiers do, the further and further I was getting away from my family. But the devil had me tricked. He, he made me think that the more I do my job, the more I do my career, the more I advance in rank, the better I could provide for my family. All the while, all the while, look who's being left behind. Look who's being left behind. So again, it took, it took me lying in the, in the pool of my own you know, squalor to, to be polite, to realize that, hey, my heart was not turned towards, towards my sons. Exactly what that verse says. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to their children and the heart of children to their fathers. And I'll get to that second part with another, with another example. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, ask Bishop about your dollar. <laughs> Bishop, Bishop's the money man. <laughs> I'm just a guest. I'm just a guest. <laughs> yep. He's got a <laughs> So so let me just give you one more story here before I move on from that verse. Um, I left the service in 2010. 
and I was going on to, to bigger and better things. I had learned my lesson about facing my family and having my heart turned towards my children. But what I didn't learn was the second part of that verse, which is to have the children to their fathers. And I'm going to give you a real world example using myself as an adult that we still need to honor our fathers. We still need to have our, our hearts and our minds turned towards our fathers. So, so there I was in business school. I had just left the service 2010. Um, my father's also active duty. He was uh, stationed in Afghanistan during my, uh, my second year in business school. And um, I'm in the middle of a business meeting. I'm trying to close a deal. I'm trying to make things happen. I'm trying to be like DeMond, you know. And um, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to catch up. I got to start working on that. But anyway, I get a phone call. I'm in the middle of, you know, just the, the, the cafeteria. In the middle of this meeting, I'm trying to close this deal. And I get a phone call. And it's some 00876, just weird number. Um, and I knew I recognized it. It was Afghanistan. Who would be calling me from Afghanistan? Why would I get a call from Afghanistan? So at the time, I'm like, let me go ahead and close this deal. I'll give him a call later. I'll find out what's going on. I'll call my mom. So I didn't answer the call. I put my phone on silent, you know, put it back in my pocket. Four, four to six hours later that night, I found out that my father's Humvee had been hit by a, a chemical attack while he was on patrol. <clears throat> and the, uh, the chemical agent had breached the, uh, the seal on his Humvee, and the gases had, had, had penetrated his lungs. Okay? He, was, uh, he was medevaced to a hospital, and the whole while he, he was swelling. His face was swelling. His throat was swelling. Um, they shoved a, uh, a pipe down his throat in, in the attempts to keep his... Uh, his esophagus from, from closing. And in those moments, I hope this is not too graphic. Forgive me, Heist. <laughs> in those moments, in those moments, um, you know, they gave him a chance to make a phone call. You know, he reached out to his, he reached out to his oldest son. They gave him a chance to make a last phone call, <clears throat> say goodbye, say I love you, just whatever those words were. I don't know what those words were. I didn't answer the call. <clears throat> Again, my heart was not pointed towards my father. Had I been in line with scripture to honor my mother and father, had I had a chance to, to be comfortable with the second part of this verse, had I put the kingdom first and not whatever I was trying to do in my own ability, I would have... Uh, I would have answered that call. So um, I was given a second chance by God's grace. Later that night, midnight, 1 or 2 a.m., I found out that the swelling was starting to go down. I wasn't able to speak to him for another week or so, but I found out from my mom that that situation was turning around by God's grace. I don't really want to be, uh, you know, so... Uh, doom and gloom, but I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to a choice. You know, we have to decide. So uh, can I ask the fathers to do something for me right now? Can we, can we put our arms out like this? All the fathers, young, old, can we put our hands out like this? In one hand, we have path one. This is our, this is our, our children. The scripture says, and he will turn the heart of our fathers to their children. In this hand, we have our children. In this hand, we have everything else that's going on in our lives. Only you know what it is. For me, for me, it was my time in service. For me, it was my obsession with being the best. That's what it was for me. You know what it is for you. Choose ye this day. It's not going to be both. There's no middle ground here. I'm going to try to make this as plain and clear as possible. There's not both. 
It doesn't matter if it's your career. It doesn't matter if it's closing that next billion-dollar deal. We got to choose. Thank you. Thank you, fathers. So um, just to carry that on, I, I do want to say one more verse, and this is not going to show up on the slide. Uh, but one more verse comes from James chapter 1, verses uh, 14 and 15. And, and this came from, uh, I think it was Brother uh, Emmy's uh, message yesterday uh, at the men's retreat. He, he brought up James 1, 14 and 15. It says, each one of us is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. So again, temptation doesn't have to be just lust. It doesn't have to be buying another car. It doesn't have to be money. We can be tempted, brothers, by our careers. We can be tempted to take that extra phone call instead of going home. We can be tempted to close that next deal and travel. We can be tempted to finish writing that last email when we know we're supposed to be at after school picking up our, our kids or wherever it is. Temptation comes in a number of forms. After desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin. When it is full grown, sin gives birth to death. And as, as the brothers know from yesterday, death is nothing more than separation. When the body dies, the body itself is being separated from the spirit. That's separation. So again, I use that illustration for me and my boys. They were here. I was headed in another direction, but the enemy made me think the more I work hard, the more I strive, the more I, I try to succeed, the more I try to become the best that I could be, that I would somehow serve them when really it was just the opposite. I was serving myself. I was serving my own. I, I was serving the man, I mean, essentially. So I have a, a funny clip on the next scene. Uh, if we can just roll that, that clip, Lisa, thanks. I see we have a question. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe you already answered this. But, uh, why exactly are we here? Son? Second Lieutenant Jake Jensen, West Point, graduate with honors. We're here because you're looking for the best of the best of the best. Sir. <laughs> so don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm proud to have served with the best of the best, and I, and I would do it again. Hi, so you give me that phone call, I'll be there. All right. <clears throat> so don't so don't get me wrong. That was a pretty funny clip. Um, but again, you know, what if we took some of that intestinal fortitude, some of that drive that we use when we when we're fighting the sharks outside the house? What if we turn that same energy around and use that at home? What what would that look like, fathers? So my two boys just came up a few minutes ago. They brought a um, a gas can here. Uh, I would submit to you that it's not just a gas can. This is one of my boys. Um, his name is Gary. <clears throat> you, guys, you guys must be wondering, you know, here's this ex-military guy talking about bombs and stuff, and he's got a highly flammable liquid up on stage. You know, I just need somebody with a lighter. You got me? <laughs> I just need a torch. Anybody? <laughs> no one's going to volunteer for that one, right? <laughs> All right. All right. So, so this is Gary. Okay, uh, next slide. And this is Larry, Larry the lawnmower. <laughs> These are my boys. Uh, next slide, please. You see, I grew up as an Army brat. You know, like I said, my father was in the military my whole life, so I moved around every two or three years from one school to the other. Um, and I didn't really have a chance to make friends. But what I did do is I started my own business when I was in fourth grade, and Larry and Gary were my founders. They were my founding <laughs> partners. <clears throat> so anybody that's moved around a little bit and seen a little bit of the world, you know, we kind of learned the ropes. I, um, by the time I got to high school, I was pretty slick. I kind of likened myself to like a combination between 50 Cent and sort of a Rico Suave type of guy, you know? <clears throat> so there I was. <laughs> you guys can't laugh too long because I got to get the kids out of here. So. <laughs> 
So, so there I was in high school trying to keep the ladies away um, my freshman year. <laughs> trying to make some new friends. You know, Gary and Larry were getting kind of old. They were kind of wearing on me. I was trying to make some new friends. And I didn't do so well in one of my classes. You know, it happened to be algebra, right? So who knows what happens when you, when you don't do well during the regular year? Say it again. Summer school, exactly, summer school. So let me, let me unravel this for those who didn't get a chance. We have a lot of educated people here. The way summer school works, <laughs> some of you already know where I'm going with this. Some of you guys already know. <laughs> See, summer school, and I have my own opinion. We'll talk about my perspective on education later. But anyway, this is what they did to me. I don't know if it's that way now. But they tried to cram an entire week's worth of work into a single day, into a four-hour day, an entire chapter. So here I am. I couldn't cut it during the regular year. You know, when I had maybe a lesson, a page or two, I had, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 pages of, of work and problems. I just couldn't keep up. I was completely overwhelmed. The next chapter, the next day I go to class, it's a whole new chapter that they teach you. Then you go do a chapter for homework, next day it's a whole new chapter, a whole new concept, and I just wasn't able to keep up. So forgive me for, for what I did, but <laughs> but we're going to get into that, though. You know, pressure, they say pressure busts pipes, so something, something broke. <clears throat> so uh, next slide, please. So what did I do? I went back to my boys. I was, see, Larry was the shorter guy on the right. He was always kind of stocky, you know, always uh, fast-talking, quick to talk trash, always ready to start something. He's like, look, Dolph, look, we're going to keep cutting this grass. We're going to keep making this money, and you can just pay somebody. Just pay somebody to do your homework for you. And I was like, come on now. We can't do that. I'm not going to learn anything. How are we, we going to, you know, how are we going to do that? And then who would I pay anyway? He's like, what about your sister? She doesn't do anything. She's kind of nerdy anyway. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, whoa, slow down, Larry. Slow your roll, you know. <laughs> can't talk about my sister like that. So then on the other extreme, we have Gary. And Gary, you know, he's got his thumb up. He's kind of a yes man. He was always like, yeah, just go for it. Just do it. So I'll be honest. You know, I still came to peer pressure. I'm just being real. I'm just trying to be real. You know, we started cutting grass. We're making money. I'm paying my sister. It was cool, you know. I wasn't just trapped inside for 15 hours, literally trying to cover an entire chapter of something I had no clue how to do. Next slide, please. So there I am on the beach trying to get a little sun, trying to get a little tan, you know, trying to uh, restore what I had lost, you know, trying to figure this thing out. But then over the course of the summer, I started running out of money. You know, the grass just wasn't growing fast enough. My sister started raising her rates on me. <laughs> you know, Eddie, Eddie from down the, on the other block started moving in on my territory, taking some of my yards. I was like, look, I was like, look, guys, we got to figure this out. Next slide, please. I was like, we got to figure something out. So my boy Gary, he's like, Bo, so you didn't hear about my new job? All I do is hold up these signs, and these people pay me. I don't have to do anything. I'm not sure if you guys can read the signs, but I don't even know who that is, but they're talking about somebody. But that's Gary there holding up a sign instead of working with me on my business. So Gary was out. I was out he was gone. Next slide, please. So then here's Larry. I'm like, Larry, what are we going to do about it? And Larry's like, what do you mean we? You've been pushing me around since the fourth grade. I'm not helping you do nothing. <laughs> So Gary, Gary bailed out on me. And, and the funny thing is, next slide, please. I always knew there was something funny about these guys, you know. To be honest, I don't know if they were really my friends to begin with in the first place. They were probably just using me, you know. So here's the thing. That's a pretty funny story, you know, and I digress. But in the same way that I struggled through the, the challenges of algebra, we all face challenges in life. 
life is full of problems, full of problems that may look like Chinese to you. Hopefully they don't, but that's what algebra looked like to me. So let's take a look at uh, Psalms uh, 82 and 5 as I'm watching the time here. Psalms 82 and 5 says, they know nothing, they understand nothing, they walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Next slide. So the first point here uh, basically says, it's a sense of not having the right information. In the military, if you don't have the right information that you need, then you can't make an informed decision. That means you're walking into a situation blind, which is never a good idea. But a lot of times that's what we do in life. We walk into the situation without having gathered the right knowledge. Uh, Next slide, please. Number two, even if we do have the right knowledge, we may have a misconception of it or a misunderstanding of exactly not only how life works, but also how how to solve the problem. Uh, Third point, please. And lastly, there's a lack of spiritual sight. Again, it, it says they walk about in darkness. They see nothing. And that's exactly where I was. I might as well have been reading Chinese on that page with numbers and letters for the first time in the same problem. I wasn't ready for it. I couldn't handle it. I was out of my element, and I was overwhelmed. So, so there I am one night. Hours and hours are going by. Just me and the book now. My boys are gone. My sister's out at the mall spending my money. And I'm just looking at this book, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, how, do, how does everyone else in the class know what to do? They're raising their hands. They're answering questions. They're going way too fast for me to keep up. So I knew there had to be something there. There's something that I'm missing. And the more I looked at the numbers, the more I looked at the, the letters, I began to see that there's some sort of a pattern. There's a, a mental construct that, that was there that I was missing. And I just didn't understand. I couldn't figure it out. So some of you say that's a first world problem. Okay, this brother couldn't solve algebra. Okay, but we have real issues going on. Uh, not only in our society, but also around the world. So, um, so let's go to the next slide, please. Because I think there may be an application here for fatherhood. You know, what happens when we as fathers face a challenge with our kids that we don't know how to solve, we don't know how to handle it? Number one there is that we fake it. Number two, please. The next thing is that we take bad advice from people who really don't care about us. And, and you may not have a gas can, Gary, or you may not have a Larry in your life, but you know who you do have in your life that may not be a good influence on you. Next slide, please. The next thing we do is we pay other people sometimes to solve our problems for us. Instead of dealing with it, instead of getting down to it and facing it head on, we pay other people. We pay the experts to deal with something that we should be dealing with at home a lot of times. The last part, this is probably the worst thing here, and I'm sure this resonates. I mean, it definitely resonates for me. I mean, sometimes we pay people to raise our kids for us. Sometimes we pay the teacher to raise our kids for. Sometimes we pay the after-school teacher, the babysitter. The list goes on, the auntie. Sometimes we pay other people to raise our kids for us when that job should be something that we handle at home. So on the flip side, again, as we're, as we're getting closer towards the fatherhood formula, I have about three minutes before the kids go. As we're getting closer towards the formula, you know, at the, at the end of the day in algebra, eventually the more I, I studied, the more I began to, to force myself to learn with no other options, the more a light bulb went off in my mind, the more I could see the railroad tracks laid down, the more I could understand that it didn't matter what number I plugged into this framework. It doesn't matter what train car I placed on those tracks. Once I had the railroad tracks down, then I could understand it. Then I could follow it. And then all of a sudden that fear that I had and bringing home this enormous amount of work, that fear, that intimidation, that resistance to even deal with it, the resistance to even get into the face of our problem, that resistance was gone. And I began to step out more in confidence taking on exactly what, used to, what I used to be afraid of. Next slide. 
See, the thing is, is that principles are very much like formulas, not very different from the algebra uh, formulas that I have. And that's sort of where we're going. What if fatherhood works the same way? What if there was a formula, a basic set of principles that we could use to, to emulate fatherhood? Next slide, please. Let's just start at the beginning. You know, a lot of times we know in our society that definitions determine interpretations, and interpretations dictate, dictate how, we, how we understand the meaning of something. So let's start at the top here. The Hebrew word for father is ab. Abba, meaning daddy, comes from this word. Next bullet. The New Testament Greek, the Greek word for father is patir. So you have ab and abba in the Old Testament Hebrew and patir in the New Testament Greek. Next point. Strong's Concordance cap captures it this way. One who imparts life and is, in the Adolf DuBose version, relentlessly. Next slide, please. Oh, I'm sorry. It's already there. Hold on. Just the, uh, the third bullet there. Father, who, who may be very much relentlessly committed to it, a forerunner bringing into being to pass the potential for likeness. Next slide. So I just want to break this down a little bit further. Next uh, points. These are some of the common themes that we associate with fathers. The source, the nourisher, the supporter, the founder, the protector. But how can a new father, someone who's just been given the gift uh, of life, in their hands, how can a new father be expected to measure up to half of that? And, and let's just have a reality check, fathers. A lot of times we don't know how. Next slide, please. We not only don't know how to do, but we also don't know how to be any of those things. Next, next point. Especially with or without, next point. Especially with or without having had an earthly model in front of our face to demonstrate these things for us. I'm going to go to the next slide here. As it's, as it's 9.30, I'm going to go to this next slide just for, for TJ if he's still here. I think he might have stepped out. So this is the main verse here. But let me go ahead and, and pause and release the Sunday school kids. We're at 9.30 now. So I'll just let the kids go. Thanks again, guys. So this is, the, this is the heart of the message here, as you uh, bear with me a little bit longer. I'm going to ask the fathers to get more engaged, so go ahead and get comfortable <laughs> as we uh, prepare to go through this. Uh, let me just read this verse here, Jeremiah chapter 6, verses uh, 16. And, and I won't be with you much longer. We're, we're, we're getting close to the end here. This is what the Lord says. Stand. <clears throat> Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and then walk in it. So many times I've gone over this verse and not really understood it, not really captured the full scope of exactly what's being said here. So I'm going to try to break it down. I'm going to break it down the way that they didn't break it down for me in algebra. All right? Is that all right? So we're going to go back to school. Next slide, please. We're going to go back to school real quick. <clears throat> the first part of this verse says, stand at the crossroads and look. Stand. Before we get into anything, before we open our mouths, fathers, stand. Can all the fathers stand up with me right now? If you're a father, young, old, can you just stand with me for just a moment? This verse says to stand at the crossroads and look. I want to make this extremely practical because as soon as we walk out of these doors at the end of this message, someone's going to face a problem. 
Father's going to face a problem on Father's Day. It's going to happen, okay? So as the fathers are standing, the, verse, the next part of this verse says, stand at the crossroads and look. So just take up your binoculars with me. Take up your binoculars. We're looking. We're standing. We're not, we haven't said anything about the situation. We haven't taken any action. We're just looking. Next bullet point, please. That's, that's going to be our X. Don't, don't get lost on the letters. Stay with me. Next, next point. Let's call that assess the situation. That's what we're doing right now. We're assessing what's going on in our, in our family. We're assessing what's going on in our children's lives, our sons and our daughters' lives. We're assessing. We can put your, put your hands down, but please stand up with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. We're going to try to go through this really quickly. Next, next point. The next part of that verse says, ask for the ancient paths. Next point, please. Let's label that as why, fathers. Ask for the ancient paths. So what does that mean? If you can just take a moment right now, look to your brother to the left or to the right, and say to that brother, have you gone through what I'm about to go through? Just go ahead. Take two seconds. Have you gone through what I'm about to deal with? Have you faced a similar situation? Have you done that? That's horizontal. That's horizontal. You guys see that? That's, that's what we need to do more as fathers. I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to stand before you and pretend that I'm going to preach to you a magical formula that's going to work. The, this is the formula. The formula is reach out to your brother on your right or your left. Reach out to the Elder Roy in your life. Reach out to the Bishop Green in your life and say, hey, I'm about to deal with this. Again, before I open my mouth to say something to my wife, before I open my mouth to say something to my son, I've assessed the situation, number one. Number two, I've reached out to my brother on my left or on my right to gather information. I'm gathering intelligence. And forgive me for using the military analogy, but it's critically important. If you don't gather your intelligence, what are you doing there? Without your intelligence, without your eyes and ears, without finding out what's going on on the ground, what are you doing there? You're going to go in there and just blow the place up? What are you going to do? What are you going to do, fathers? What are we going to do? Uh, next, next point. So the third part of this verse says, ask where the good way is. Who knows where the good way is? What, first of all, what does good mean? Good is God. Good is God. So again, we did the horizontal. We did the horizontal. Fathers, again, with me. Fathers, with me right now. Look up. Look up. God, let your word. Go ahead, fathers. Repeat it after me, please. God, let your word. Be a lamp unto my feet. God, please, let your word be a light unto my path. Again, this is, not, this is not rocket science here. We're just walking through this formula real time, hands on, so you can get what I didn't get when I was being taught algebra. Okay? Step by step. Now we have X plus Y plus Z. But we're not done yet. Bear with me another couple of minutes here. We're not done yet. Next, next point, pray. So again, we just prayed. Uh, the last part of this uh, verse says to walk in it. Go ahead to the next bullet, please. How many of you know that it's not enough to just, to just have the information, assess the situation? It's not enough just to gather the information. It's not enough just to pray about it. But at a certain point, at a certain point, guess what? It's time for the talking to be done. It's time for the, for the sketching on my sketch pad to be done. It's time for me now to step forward. It's time for me now to get out and move forward to take action. It's now, it's now time to deploy. It's time to deploy. It's time to go put boots on the ground and do what we, we are called to do as fathers. And again, I was going to be a little bit more dramatic and have us turn around and march out to the park, but I don't want to scare anybody. (laughs) 
but I, 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 think, I think we're on the same page, though. I think we're on the same page. There comes a time when we as fathers have to be ready to step forward. Who's going to father those that don't have fathers? Who's going to reach out to the community? Who's going to protect our home by connecting with those behind bars? Who's going to do that? Who's going to do it? If not us, then who? If not you, then who? If not you, then who? Who's going to do it? Who are, who are we putting the care of our families, our young daughters? Who are we entrusting that to? If not us, then who? Who's going to do it, brother? Who's going to do it? Next point. See, I use a G there. Why is that G there? What does that G stand for? That stands for God. God, I'm not going to add or subtract God to my situation. Who's ever invited God to a problem? Anybody ever invited God to a problem? Next, next point. How many of you know that God is a multiplier? God is a multiplier. God will multiply whatever you bring to the table. You see what I'm saying? You bring your homework. You do your homework first. You do your homework first. You look. You assess the situation to the best of your ability. You reach out to your brother on your right or your left. You engage the Holy Spirit on what way is going to be best. After that, you let go and let God. You put God on it. Don't tell your problem. Don't tell God about your problem, but let your problem know who your God is. Let your problem know how big your God is. God already knows about the problem. Don't break it down for him. He already knows. Tell your problem about your God. And then once he does, God will take care of the rest because your job is done, fathers. Your job is, is X plus Y plus, plus Z. That's your job. After that, let God handle it. Let God take it from there. Let God do it. After that point, you just have to do like the song says. I will not be silent. I will not be silent. That's all you have to do is give him glory because there's rest once God steps into the situation. There's rest once you put it in God's hand. After that, let go and let God. That's where real rest comes into place at. Do your job, fathers. Who's going to do your job for you? Get up, get out, and do your job. Next slide, please. So again, it doesn't matter what he said. It doesn't matter what she said. The scripture says that God will give you rest. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what the courts say. It doesn't matter what custody says. God will give you rest. Again, uh, next point. Next point. Is, I'm, we're wrapping up here. I promise this wouldn't be long. Next slide. This is a long verse, but it's not going to take long to go through it. Uh, fathers, please go ahead and take a seat. Thank you very much for your participation. Let's give the fathers a hand, please. So again, before, before I get into this verse, again, this is just very simple, very hands-on. We just went through a small formula. I appreciate your participation. X plus Y plus Z. That's the takeaway for today. Times G times God, you'll get your answer. Yeah. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Take that away and apply it as soon as, this, uh, as, soon as you walk out of here. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about this rest because I don't want you to get the, the wrong idea. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers. And again, if you're not a believer, don't feel bad because we're going to open up the doors of the church in just a moment. There is rest waiting for believers to experience. As we enter this, as we enter into God's faith rest, and what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But the scripture also says that faith without works is what? Yeah. Faith without works is dead. And again, dead and death, there's separation there from God. So again, without faith, we're not entering into rest because we're not taking action. Okay? So don't think that this rest is just there. Take action, do your part. And again, in the end, then there's rest, okay? Verse 10. I'm sorry, we're going on to, uh, yeah, verse, I think we just finished. Verse 10, I'll, I'll do verse 10 here. As we enter God's faith rest, life will, we cease, the life we cease from our own works 
just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them. Verse 11. So then we must give all and be eager to experience this faith rest again so that no one, and I, and I, I want to call that out, so that no one, it's not just about you and I. It's not just about me and my four. It's not just about what we do when we go home. But again, so that no one, I emphasize that point, the horizontal is so important so, because if the brother on our right falls, then our family is, is, is threatened. If the brother on our left falls, then our family is threatened. It's not enough just to say that I'm taking care of me and my four. Who's gonna, again, who's going to take care of the brothers across the street? Who's going to take care of the brothers behind bars? The scripture says, so that no one, no one falls by missing the path. So that no one falls short by following the same path, pattern, or doubt, or unbelief. That's the Passion Translation. I told you I wouldn't be before you long. But I hope you were able to get something out of this so far. Um, Lisa, can you go ahead and play that last song, please? love to even understand that beyond the walls behind the mask and confident smile was a broken man trying to grow up and make life worthwhile and I know there were times that you probably shouldn't but I thank you for always loving me of a person compared to everyone else what about this flaw too big too small can I exchange and trying to make up for where I fell short I let sin slip away but when I look in the mirror and don't like what I see oh I just think
about putting it all on the line. Talk about putting it all out there for God. In basketball or football, you know, in the fourth quarter, when it's coming down to the line, there's a popular saying, we don't hold anything back. You want to leave every ounce of strength, every ounce of energy that you have, you want to leave it on the table. You know, I do that at work all day. That's easy. You know, men, as we're cutting the grass, we do that all day. When we're dealing with the sharks at the job, we do that all day. We put it all out there. It's easy to do that when we're, when we're out, outside of the home. But maybe one day it's going to come a time that we're going to look at all that passion, all that intestinal fortitude, all that drive, all that go-getter attitude. Turn that same thing back around. Turn it back around. The scripture said that God will turn our hearts to our children, back to our families. But don't forget about yourself. Work on yourself first. That way you have something inside to share. That's where the fatherhood formula comes in. That's where the fatherhood formula comes in. Use your binoculars before you open your mouth. Look at the situation first. Talk to your brother on your left or to your right. Get that information inside. Know what you're going into before the situation kicks off. Ask God what he thinks about it. God, which job should I take? God, what should I say to my daughter in this situation? I know she's dealing with it. I don't want to pay anybody else to do what I'm here to do. I don't, want to, I don't want to send her to some other person when she can only receive the message, only receive the message from her own father. She needs to receive that message from you. Your son needs to hear that message from you.